0: Welcome, listeners. Thank you for listening to Yes, That Really Happened, an Absurd History Podcast, a monthly Absurd History Podcast, where one of the two of us, either me, Joshua Wilson, or the co-host, Stephen. You had to think
1: about your name there, buddy. Sorry, you just pointed at me. I'm like, wait, what am I supposed to say? What if I mess up? (laughs) Stephen! Now, I do want to mention this. We haven't said this before. Neither one of us
0: are historians. We are Fans of history, history's our hobby. Yeah, history's our hobby. There's a reason that my online handle everywhere is history bluff, not
1: history buff. (laughs) The research stuff you can believe is true stuff because we did research it. We might not have researched it well, (laughs) but we
0: did. Now we think we hope we do. We try to, and but you know what? We know we're going to make mistakes. So feel free to message us at any of our contact information. They'll be in, in the description. Such as our emails, our email and social media, the podcast email, not okay. our personal emails. I'm like, wait, no, like, no, 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 no. I'm not. Did putting he that. do
1: something that I'm not? No, aware no, 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 <laughs> no. We have a
0: podcast email. I think it's yes, that really happened. Pod at gmail.com. But if it's not that, check the description to make sure. I know yes, that really happened was not available, but I'm thinking I did yes, that really happened pod. So if you want to just email whoever has the handle yes, that really happened, feel free. But we're not going to get it. Anyway, this is a long, rambling intro to our podcast. We had a bunch of say, so... That's right. Normally, to get us on topic, whoever's giving the presentation will give a question to the other to get us on topic. So here's my question for you, Stevie, on our history podcast. Who is Superman's most evil villain? Most
1: evil? Yes. Not like most famous? Correct. Because the most famous would be Lex Luthor. Yep. Yep. But he's not the most evil. I'm trying to... Joker, while he has faced Superman, is not a Superman villain. He is a Batman villain. So it can't be Joker. I don't know, actually. Maybe Kite. Would you (laughs) consider... Kite Man. (laughs) Yes. Would you consider the
0: KKK? Wait, the KKK has fought Superman? And this week, we're going to talk about how Superman took on the KKK in real life. What? Yes, I was hoping... You would not know about this. No, I really don't. Okay, this will be some fun. How Superman took on the KKK in real life. But before we get to that, as usual, some context. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. They invented Superman, and his first issue debuted in 1938. Both were Jewish. Both had some experience with bullying and persecution because of their faith and ethnicity. And this is not unique to just Superman's creators. Comic books, the industry, really as a whole of superhero comics, I should say, as a history with Judaism, as a Jewish industry at the beginning.
1: Because most of the writers and artists were Jewish, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. So I remember this fact.
0: Yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, so Superman was not the first comic book, but he was the first comic book dedicated to a single character. Most would be, like, grab bags of, okay, here's a four-page short funny story on this person, and here's another short one. He's the first of the modern superhero comics. Yes, and he was debatably the first superhero. You had Zorro and the Phantom before that. Would mythology count as superheroes? Because otherwise... Well, that's an interesting parallel, because I think society today has really latched onto modern mythologies with Harry Potter, Star Wars, comic book movies, we have seem to have built up a desire for modern mythologies that are ongoing with these
1: characters. Here's the thing. No one sane, and I do have to say sane, unfortunately, believes that Harry Potter, Star Wars, or that stuff was real. While as most mythologies, at one point, large portions of people believed real.
0: But not necessarily all mythologies
1: most
0: because there's some interesting research anyway this this is not
1: the mythology podcast this is the history does this hold let's get back to what
0: we were about to talk about is this our first is this the record for the earliest we have gotten on we've gotten sidetracked
1: probably okay because you haven't even told me what our topic is i
0: did when superman fought the kkk in real life okay you haven't given background information for that okay back to the context (laughs) back to the context this was not you comic books. The comic strips started in the 1800s, but the first publisher of comic books as we know them gave them a unique shape. I don't know if you've ever wondered why comic books have that weird land sh- that weird uh, aspect ratio compared to other books?
1: Aspect ratio?
0: Yeah. I'm
1: not a huge comic book. And they're leader, little t- they're whatever. little
0: taller or narrower than a regular book.
1: Or magazine. You mean width-wise or width-wise. paper-wise?
0: Width-wise.
1: Like the... They're thin. They're always
0: thin books. No, that's
1: not width. That's thick. Oh, so you mean they're taller than they are, or taller than they should be, or uh,
0: whatever. I'm not a comic book. The average magazine or book is wider than a comic book. The regular average comic book is narrower, more vertical. Okay. And that's because the first person to publish a comic book got that shape from his father. Growing up, his father would take the comic strips in the newspaper and somehow fold that section up into a little booklet. And it was roughly the shape of a modern comic book. Hmm. And he'd give that to his son to read while he read the rest of the newspaper. Hmm. And the publisher remembered that, and that's how they got their shape. But anyway, other superheroes... Were started by Jewish writers. Just the superhero industry as a whole at the beginning had Jewish roots. Many, but not all of the writers were Jewish. Many grew up with religious persecution or were children of Jewish immigrants who did. And it's easy to see how that frustration could lead these people to make heroes that children and people could look up to. Captain America is one of the first examples I think of. The U.S. is not in World War II yet. They haven't joined the war yet, but rumors are starting to spread about what Hitler and the Nazi party is wanting to do.
1: We didn't really know anything about the Holocaust until partway through the war, at the end of it.
0: Soviets recorded that, but thankfully that was something that the Soviets were like, record everything. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't have the footage.
1: Because... I know that we knew about stuff that they did to Poland. We knew that they were
0: arresting and rounding up Jews. We
1: didn't know why or anything. About
0: we didn't know what was happening, We but we had rumors and we had suspicions, and we knew Hitler was a big old racist. But, so, rumors are spreading, and the largest ethnic background
1: in the U.S. was, and still is, Germanic. It's one of the reasons why, if I remember correctly, at the beginning of World War II and even right before it a lot of people in the U- US supported Hitler because he was bringing up the German homeland from the uh, really it was like a tragedy of the aftermath of World War 1 for Germany
0: children you can find you can look this up on Google the German children played with bricks of cash because that's cheaper than buying a toy people would literally have to take a wheelbarrow of cash to buy so a loaf bread. of bread
1: that is insane and it was because of the treaties at the end of it's just World War One but anyway that happened and suddenly Germany's getting better and we're all in the the US we're going yay they're getting better but then the atrocities started happening especially in Poland because and suddenly everyone loses their fervor and they're like oh wow this guy's really bad
0: but rumors existed before that because you have the Olympics the famous account of the Olympics with black and Jewish runners running in the Olympics in Germany, Nazi Germany, and Hitler not being happy when a black man finishes first in the race. But anyway, back to this, the the creators of the Captain America, they heard these rumors, they saw the large German support in the U.S., and they wanted to do something about it. And part of this is also because of also, on top of the Germanic, ethnicity of the U S there was still some background of the eugenics movement that started here that that kind of moved to Europe. And so you have some of that background and, but Joe Simon and Jack Kirby acted first. They decided they would have a character who represented American values. So again, before we joined the war before Pearl Harbor, they publish a magazine on the cover that has a man dressed in the American flag, punching Adolf Hitler in the face (laughs) They have someone dressed in the American flag punching a foreign head of state that we are not at war with in the face. And this sold about a million issues. There is a bit of irony to this because
1: was Steve Rogers at this point blonde and yes. blue-eyed?
0: He was blonde and blue-eyed from the very beginning. So, And I think that's an intentional stance. I think that was an intentional... Irony to Yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's just one example. At the beginning... A lot of superhero writers were Jewish, and we'll get into why that is here in a minute. But the story of Superman is similar. The Great Depression took its toll on the Jewish immigrant society particularly hard. As always, when there's economic ruin, starving people will look to perceived foreigners as the reason for calamity. As we just mentioned
1: with Hitler, that's one of the reasons he... I know one of those groups in the United States actually was the Irish that people pointed at during the Great Depression. We'll get to that too. Okay.
0: That's going to come up. (laughs) You may be wondering how, but it will. So they like to point fingers at foreigners because it's just when you're hopeless and your children
1: are starving... You need to blame someone or you feel like you need to blame someone.
0: You want someone to blame because... The truth is, there are so rarely simple answers to why things happen, and it's easier for us to wrap our mind and accept a simpler explanation, like it's someone else's fault. But anyway, people love to hate. Yeah, it's almost as if we were born with a sin nature, but I'm going to move on. The Jewish people have always suffered persecution, and it's no different here. And many industries, especially the publishing industry, did not want to have anything to do with Jews. Uh, and c- comics pr- proved their opportunity, where a lot the, where they're being locked and shut out of other publishing avenues, they found comic books as a gateway for many of them to get into real publishing. Because
1: it was a new it was a new thing with new gatekeepers.
0: Correct. And in this relatively short period of time, two important things happen as far as Superman goes. Schuster, again, one of the co-creators of Superman. His father is shot and killed in a convenience store robbery. Mm. He works there, robbery, he's shot and killed. And then shortly after this, and this is according to legend.
1: So... We
0: know that he, his father was shot and killed. That's not a legend.
1: But the stuff after this is... Yeah, what I'm maybe not, happened, maybe didn't happen.
0: Yeah, so this is what may be legend. The other co-creator, Siegel, woke up after a night where he dreamed of this Herculean figure that used powers to save others. And that's where the idea of Superman started. And so in 1938, these two men, they come together. They create a comic book about called Action Comics. It's about Superman. And in these first few issues, Superman's going around. He's saving. He's stopping robberies. He's saving a woman from being beaten by her husband. He's going to some questionable lengths to try to get people to stop because comics... They may not have necessarily shown blood and gore, but they were a lot looser with death back then. But soon, but superheroes didn't really have their big supervillains, at least not until World War II. And then everyone joins the war front, and
1: a lot of famous comic book writers were part of World War II too. Yeah, that's Stanley's World War II. The II. two
0: most famous Marvel people, mm-hmm. Stanley and Jack Kirby. Stanley. When he got enlisted, his job before that was... He didn't help create Captain America, but I think issue two or three of Captain America is where he got his first job inking the lines. And then as more people started getting drafted, he had to take up more of the writing responsibilities. But then he eventually, too, was drafted, and they gave him the job of making propaganda posters.
1: Didn't Morgan Freeman have a similar job? He may have. I don't know. I think he was a... I can't remember what he did. It was something to do with either taking pictures or drawing something, or it might have been maps. I can't remember. Jack Kirby, again, most
0: you can picture ninety percent of the Marvel characters you've heard of and seen in movies were co-created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby, this other Marvel legend, when he was drafted and told them, "Hey, I'm I'm an illustrator and drawer of comics," they said, "Okay, cool. Here's a map." Your job is to sneak behind enemy lines and draw and draw an X every everywhere you see enemy fortifications.
1: Perhaps it was Jack Kirby that I was thinking of, not Morgan Freeman. Juan, I'm uh, fairly sure Morgan Freeman fought in World War II. Jack Kirby was on the second wave of Normandy, so still one of the dangerous waves, but not as dangerous as the first
0: one. Yeah, no, yeah, he meant... It was dangerous, but not nearly as dangerous as. Yeah, but anyway, but superhero comics will boom. In the Second World War. And I've got to pause and catch my breath here.
1: The stinking pollen. Yeah, sorry. No, it was... Uh, no, he was not. Yeah, it was Jack Kirby. I just mixed him up with Morgan Freeman somehow. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. But somehow okay. I did. Okay. Okay. Because Morgan Freeman joined the Air Force in 1955, I believe Google just said. Okay. So, so yeah, I just mixed up two...
0: Very different. Very different people. Okay. Anyway.
1: That's a bit embarrassing. Comic
0: books will reach their (laughs) pinnacle of popularity during World War II. They are perfect for both overseas and at home. Overseas, they're like "Eh," cheap, small. Soldiers can just fold them up, throw them in, like tuck them in their shirt. And if they want quick entertainment to take their mind off things while they're trying to relax, they've got it. Stateside. It's a way of trying to encourage young Timmy to do his power,
1: effort for the war. <laughs> I do remember that comic books first got popular during World War Two. Yeah,
0: that's like their boom. But they had a big boom in the 80s too and 60s. But I think the 40s is just when you see millions of copies being sold because they're going overseas as well as here. But superheroes, they find their villains, the Nazis and stuff like that. And some, in hindsight, racist depictions of Japanese but we'll, let's, Okay. Yeah, that just happened. <laughs> anyway,
1: we're going to move past that part. There's there, there's just been so many different racist depictions of everyone and everything that's not surprising. That- <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate, though. But anyway,
0: comics are going to, about to have their first supervillains in World War II with the Nazis, but they don't have it yet.
1: 19... 19- I find it interesting that, of course, this is true. It's but it's superheroes were around far longer or far before supervillains everywhere. Yeah, which I find, I'm not surprised by that, but it is something that you wouldn't think of, because when you think of supervillain, then you have to think of the other side of the coin, which is supervillain. Did I say supervillain twice? No. I said yes, you did. If you think of superhero then you have to think of the other side of the coin which is super villain. <laughs> yes, anyway. Sorry, I I, I anyway. I've pulled the tracks off.
0: But again, we went on another rabbit trail. A <laughs> point was they didn't have any big supervillains yet. So the first Superman comic published 1938 and there's uh, an interesting fun fact. The creators of Superman, they enjoyed movies and shows that they could find based on The Mask of Zorro and stuff like that. So they took two famous actors' names from those movies, one named Clark Gable and another named Kent Taylor, and they combined their first names for Superman's alter ego, Clark Kent, and his Kryptonian name, Kal-El, is supposed to reflect the Hebrew characters that mean the voice of God. Hmm. So you have Superman... It was an immediate success, but it starts, to, it picks up very quickly. The year after the first Superman comic book is released in 1939, his first comic strip is released in a paper, and a year after that, in February 12th, 1940, The Adventures of Superman radio show aired, and that is what we are going to be focusing on today. Does this... No, never mind. This is a radio drama of Superman that started in 1940... It would run for about 11 years and ending in 1951. It starred an actor back then named Bud Coiler as the titular Superman. And the show created a lot of the Superman lore we take for granted. The fact that Clark Kent works for the Daily Planet, created by this radio show, not the comics. Really? His Hmm. best friend Jimmy Olsen, created by the radio show, not the comics. Sort of. There's some complication there. Anyway, you know the famous saying? It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's...
1: Superman. That's
0: from the radio show. Have you also heard the saying, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a
1: single bound? I figured that was from the radio
0: show. Yep, all that's from the radio show. And you go into World War II, the radio show is really popular with kids. It served as a way to comfort and challenge them during the war. Again, and that's what comics did at the time. Comfort them to th- with the idea that someone's trying to do good but also challenged him. Help Superman by doing your part and going down and recycling metal for the war effort and all that type of stuff.
1: You had to put on the accent, didn't you?
0: Yes, I have wanted to do that for this podcast forever. But there's two things holding me back. One, it just wouldn't have worked with any of the episodes we've done. And two, I'm not good at it. The two being the biggest, the Whatever largest reason. What happened to that accent?
1: I miss it dearly. Because there are accents where that have stuck around for centuries and then there are accents like that that appeared like for a few decades and then just disappeared. I
0: love that 1940s radio voice. Mm. And you can actually find every, the entirety of this Superman radio series is available on Audible. Sorry, I'm having hiccups. The entirety of the series is available on Audible and many episodes are available on YouTube. You may, some people, a lot, most people probably be bored by them. I love audio dramas and I love these type of things, so I love them. But as the war comes to an end, now they're trying to figure out: okay, who's Superman going to fight? We need a new villain. We're right, we don't really have foreign villains anymore. So, is there any villain stateside that Superman can fight? And thankfully, there's a group. I say thankfully. I mean, unfortunately, there was a group stateside that was in the middle of a resurgence. The Ku Klux Klan. And this is where our story really starts. With the Superman radio program needing a villain, and the Ku Klux Klan having returned. But that still doesn't explain the in-real-life part. So, the Ku Klux Klan, their name is derived from the Greek word kyklos, which roughly means circle. But really, and this might surprise you. It's dumb how they got their name and I know that I'm sure that surprises you that the KKK can, is really dumb. I mean dumb. they spell
1: clan with a K. So of course it's they wanted it to be alliterated.
0: That I kid you not there's no other reason than they wanted it to be alliterated. Mm. And since then they've tried to retroactively add more sounds to it and made it sound like the sounds of like scal- like bones rattling in a closet. It's the sound that a gun makes when you load it. Like they've tried to retroactively add all these things. But really, they just wanted it alliterated, and they thought Ku Klux sound mysterious. It doesn't. Anyway, at the beginning, the original KKK, because a lot of people don't realize there are two versions of the KKK in our history as the country. The original KKK, or the Invisible Empire of the South... Started as a social club for Confederate veterans.
1: I'm sorry, the Invisible Empire of the
0: South. (laughs) Oh, brother, you're laughing at that. You're going to be laughing at some other names the KKK used. Oh, great. And you know what? I'm not afraid to call it out. The KKK stinks. That's right. I said
1: it. I think a lot of people, (laughs) a lot more people have said that about them. And and you know what? I'm going
0: to make another bold statement on the internet. Hitler stunk too. That's right. I'm calling him out. I don't care what people say. So bold.
1: Yeah. The- bear not catch or Bear not let Kanye catch you here or oh saying that. That's right. We're relevant. Yes. The 30 people that have listened to this podcast. That's right.
0: Anyway, so the KKK, in reality, they existed as a way of intimidating and torturing freemen. The free black men, that's what they existed as. And their highest office was... The Grand Wizard. That's the highest position. Below that, you have a series of tiers. The next being Grand Dragon. The next, Grand Titan. Then you have Grand Cyclops. Heck. Yep. (laughs) Just, they thought they're being cool and mysterious by picking these mythological things.
1: Most of that stuff's from Greek.
0: But, you know what? Most of the the KKK was all but eradicated under the administration of ulysses s grant
1: easily you're talking about the original yes not the yeah neo. so and
0: we'll go into how that happened so grant going for this out there in my top 10 presidents and he probably did more for civil rights than maybe any other president he pushed against the clan's violence and caused the grand wizard to dissolve the clan in 1869 I didn't really do much. Local clans just kept going anyway, and so he created the Justice of Department or the Justice Department to take on the KKK.
1: Wait, that's why the Justice that was why it was Department?
0: invented. It still exists, but it was. Invented. I know it
1: still. I know it still exists, but
0: uh... it was invented to take on the KKK. And then in 1871, Congress passed the Ku Klux Klan Act. This gave the president the right to dissolve habeas corpus for clansmen.
1: Hold up. And what? use
0: federal force to bring them in.
1: Habeas corpus is... Uh, I'm blanking on it. It's uh, trial by peers or something? Yep. Yeah,
0: trial by peers.
1: So you wouldn't get a jury, basically.
0: Yeah, I'm pulling... It's the... Actually... The, okay, so, yeah. It's...
1: It comes from England. It, it, it comes from Latin. <laughs> Where it was first implemented was in England.
0: Right? It, it's a Roman thing. It literally means show the body, I think. Mm. And it's basically that you cannot be... Arrested without being charged formally for a crime. Like, you have to be formally charged with a crime to be arrested.
1: Then who's the one that did the trial by peers? That was... Let's... We have a lot of things wrapped up with it and connected okay. with it. I know you can only be charged... Nowadays, you can only be charged once for a crime unless new evidence is... Found. Found. And the reason for that is because... Uh, oh, I can't remember. It was during one... It might have been during, yeah, I think it was during the Civil War. There was a South, a south, a very vocal Southern supporter in the North. And I think it was New York, maybe? Some Northern city. And uh, he never really did anything wrong. Like, he never committed a crime. But he was so vocal that people, uh, people tried to push... Well, habeas corpus was suspended
0: remember. in states bordering the South during the civil war i don't know
1: if it was during the civil war during something but there was this one uh, i can't remember all of it it was there was this one dude that uh, i think he was tried like 15 or 16 times for the same which wasn't really a crime until one judge said you know what enough i'll just throw him in prison for this amount of time justice because they kept trying him over and over for the same the same thing the same thing And after whatever conflict that we had going on was done, they said, you know what? This was wrong. Let's put it into law where you can't try someone for the same crime. Yeah. And And I can't remember the guy's name or when that happened or for what. I just know it was some dude that had an unpopular opinion, was very vocal about it, and ended up getting tried for the same thing about 15 times. (laughs) Yeah, but... There's a lot of, but basically, habeas corpus basically meant you could
0: be held indefinitely without being charged for a crime. So you can just throw him in prison, throw away the key, and without him having to be formally charged. And there's controversy in the Civil War. Lincoln used that. Granted, and here's where the controversy arises. Congress has the right to suspend habeas corpus in times of rebellion. Hmm. That's in the Constitution. Mm-hmm and lincoln jumped the gun a little bit granted i'm not sure what other option he had seeing where washington dc is placed when it's right
1: near virginia yep what was it bordering it was bordering virginia but it was only a few how many miles away from the south um, oh yeah south oh, man i don't know but it's close it was like 50 or something or 40 yeah. 30 something some small amount of miles away from dc was the confederate capital was
0: it yeah oh yeah richmond virginia richmond so again i don't justify i think that can be viewed as a blemish on lincoln's legacy but i'm also not sure what he should have done either there's just it's one of those situations where thomas jefferson described in his last year in office where you can't decide between what's right and wrong you have to decide between what's bad and what's worse but anyway i'm getting off topic again big shocker for this podcast What, twice now? Three Uh, times now? Three or four, What's the count now? This allowed, but yeah, so this act passed by Congress to allow President Grant to really just try to take out the Klan. And it was successful. It's all but vanished. You can find various, you can find records online if you go looking for them of hearings, Senate hearings that they held to investigate and interrogate these Klansmen. I'll forget which southern state... A black man was voted sheriff, and the Klan broke into his home, kidnapped him, and did all these things to him. This was a real violent problem. But because of Grant and his administration, it all but vanishes. It's officially dissolved. It's all but gone. But then we get to the tw- earliest 20th century, and everything changed, largely because of four men.
1: So early 1900s.
0: Yes, four men. In 1905, Thomas Dixon publishes the book, The Klansman, where it over-romanticizes the Southern cause Mm -hmm. and the Klansman. 1913, Woodrow Wilson is elected president.
1: Yeah. The racist, the most racist (laughs) president we've had. Oh, he's certainly up there. Andrew Johnson (laughs) might top beat him. I was going to say Andrew Jackson because of his... Not for blacks, but for uh, Native Americans. (laughs) (laughs) Both a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, then...
0: In 1915, D.W. Griffith releases a movie wildly famous called The Birth of a Nation. Woodrow Wilson is quoted in the movie talking about the glorious purpose of the Klan on how it was raised to protect the whites' way of life. In this movie, you have trying to draw people's heartstrings where you have a delicate white woman hiding in her locked house as black men tried to pound down the door to get to her and the clan r- running in riding in on their horses dressed in white coming to this damsel's rescue
1: so propaganda
0: oh it was big time propaganda trying to show how damaged the south was from the war which i mean the south did have a lot of
1: damage but well, that was mostly from what was it eisenhower no who is the one general that did the uh- sherman yeah sherman that's, that's he fought
0: name. like a modern general
1: yeah i know but he did do a bunch of damage to they did so as a modern general. I
0: know we've had this discussion. And, and you know what? The South wanted to do it to the North. Andrew, not Andrew, Stonewall Jackson. He is quoted with the idea of invading the North, basically saying we will burn down their steeples and make them and make the citizens face the bayonet. Oy. It's war. I, I hate to sh- just be blunt, but it's war. And the quickest way to break an army is to break the civilians supporting the army. That will happen in World War One. The biggest thing that helped break the Germans was Britain's blockade in the First World War. That did more than that did more than any singular
1: thing to was, end the war. I was more thinking of our war with Japan. I know we used nukes at the end, but there were the one picture with uh, what's his face, the general, the really tall general next to the emperor. Oh, yes, MacArthur. MacArthur next to the emperors. And it's like the six foot five or. How tall was he? He was six something. He was six something. He was tall. Next to this little, like, five foot four, five foot five emperor. And it's a famous picture, not famous nowadays, but famous at the time, picture that was passed around, basically dropped from planes sometimes the, to break the morale of the Japanese people or faith, more like, yeah. in their emperor. And that's a less violent option than so many German...
0: Man, I'm getting off a side tangent, but it's one that I love going down, World War One.
1: Uh, World War One is probably the... I think World War One is more interesting than World War Two, in my own opinion. So I, right now, what I enjoy studying,
0: I agree. But boy, nothing beat growing up. Me sitting down and listening to stories of my great-grandfather who served in World War Two.
1: Well, yeah, but that's because we had people in our lives that actually fought yeah. in World War Two, whereas it... we didn't have anyone from World War One. They were all mostly dead. I believe the last person to be involved in World War One died in 2015, and she was a nurse.
0: Yes, yeah. I remember that. But anyway, we are man, I really want to go down the rabbit hole of World War One. You know, I'm going to just for a little bit. I want to let myself do it a little bit. This idea of blockade, I think one thing that's overhyped in the first world war is them saying, Oh, this unrestricted German U boat warfare, the sinking of the Mesopotamia got us in the war. The Mesopotamia, that was sunk two years before we declared war in Germany. But yet that's what's listed in our textbooks as the chief no, the chief reason was that... Uh, the Zimmerman telegram? Yeah. Which was partially made up by the British, so that's...
1: It was an actual telegram, but it was partially made up by the British. There's so much. The
0: British. And we were never... They talk about, oh, they sank the, that boat, the Mesopotamia, with all these hundreds of American sailors. Here's the
1: thing. We were si- shipping supplies. It had arms on it. Yeah.
0: It had arms, and the British knew that. And so they went back, and they went... Was it dive charges? The bombs that go off underwater?
1: Yeah, those are...
0: they least those onto the wreckage of the Mesopotamia, so none of the evidence of those weapons could be found.
1: It was... Uh, we were shipping ammo and some arms to we, England. Okay, I we
0: were really shady.
1: So this is what we were doing.
0: We... Germany needs resources. As far as, like, food, some of these... They have the resources to make weapons... But the land of Germany isn't great for the other necessary resources. Mm. So they need other countries to get that to them. England, because Britannia rules the waves, they had a blockade, trying to blockade, and they were sinking every German civilian ship coming through to keep them from getting their resources. In retaliation, Germany says, you know what, we're going to do a U-boat blockade of Great Britain, And Woodrow Wilson gives this fiery speech. Like, that's unacceptable. That's dangerous life. You know how many U-boats they had to put as a blockade around Great Britain? Probably only a few hundred. Nine. Nine? They had nine U-boats to blockade Great (laughs) Britain. even
1: with a few hundred, you wouldn't be able to blockade Great Britain. You'd
0: have to have a few
1: thousand at least.
0: England also blockaded the U.S. during the First World War. And we were fine with it. Really? You know why? Because we were never truly neutral. We were militarily neutral up until the last year and a half of the war, but economically and, and logistically, we were never neutral. Woodrow Wilson was, we were like, we're not going to let the Germans have a U-boat blockade around the U.S., but we have no problems with the British blockading us because you know why? We were selling to both the Germans and Brits, but we had the deal worked out with the Brits. We will send it to the Brits we were going to make the Germans come pick up their own stuff and then let the British sink it. <laughs> so I we wonder, could get money from both,
1: but only help the I one. I wonder what our involvement was with France was at the time. Because I know that America, the United States of America and France has always had a ally ship. I
0: think we were supporting the Allies as a whole. I think it was just maybe more directly with the British because of their naval Also abilities. because of the language as well. Yeah. When we landed in World War I... We didn't really use weapons or materials that were American. We used French weapons. We used French tanks. We used French maps. Actually, That's why the Battle of um, what was okay. Yeppers, or y- 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 Pre- Ypres, we call it that because that's the French name, but the people who live there is like, Yeppers, y- oh man, I'm butchering it. Anyway, we've gone way off topic. I need, we need to get back. I'm trying up.
1: to remember the name of that one tank. It was, it starts with an R. It's like Richmond, but it's not Richmond. It's... Uh, Something French, and it was mostly made in the United States, I think. Yeah, the only tank name... We, or we ordered a thousand of them and used them, and it was a it was a two-person tank, and the United States ordered around a thousand of them built, it was a French design, to be built for our uses in World War I, and I cannot remember the name of the tank for the life of me.
0: <laughs> I can only tell you the name of two different tanks... I think they're both from World War there's II.
1: There's Saint Sherman or the, not Sherman. The
0: Panzer, I know that one from World War 2,
1: German tanks. The, there's this one French called the Saint mm-hmm. Sherman, Sherman, something like that. Starts with a it's Saint C H something. Hmm. Anyway, as much
0: as the Great War is one of my favorite
1: topics, I'm going to get back to
0: the rise yeah. of the KKK. You have Woodrow Wilson and the movie The Birth of a Nation, both booming. Woodrow Wilson Hosts a screening of the Birth of a Nation in the White House. And then in 1915, William J. Simmons formally re-institutes the KKK. But before he does that, he had money signs in his head. Because of the movie, he starts, or not because of the movie, he starts preparing this before the movie. But he just has everything. The formal announced public declaration of their return was with the movie. So he starts preparing uniforms. He starts preparing the logo. He looks at, okay, the first KKK, they burned crosses, but that wasn't really their imagery. He's like, this time, this was going to be their imagery. Their logo is going to have the burning cross in it. That's going to be their icon. They're going to sell all this merch, the hoods, the membership due, and they're going to get their money through the membership fees and dues.
1: He that was a ridiculous idea though because most of the America at the time it was Christian. So burning of one of the Christian symbols is not exactly it, they to be a member you had to be a white male Protestant.
0: But these Protestants could not have read their bibles very well. Mm. But anyway, they would sell jewelry for those who had romantic interests. You could give your special loved one a like jewel-encrusted necklace in the shape of a burning cross.
1: I'm sorry, but none of this really seems
0: logical. We're going to get into some of this, why they were doing this. But he had all this merch ready, and they decided he'd get a few people together. They put on the robes. They did their first ceremony. On top of this hill, they burned a cross. I think they had it in front of the cross. They had this little table with an American flag on it. They had a canteen of like baptismal water, I think they had some like a gun and all these things that was supposed to be like part of their ceremony. They did all this weirdness. And then their formal declaration was this movie. So they premiere the birth of a nation in a theater in Georgia. I think in Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, I think so. And it's also around this time that he gets a formal charter from Georgia to be a non profit
1: organization. Hold up, but he was Part of the reason why he, you said part of the reason why he did this was money.
0: Yes. But he gets an official charter saying that the KKK in Georgia is just a non-profit social club. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm not saying, What are you surprised that the KKK isn't fully on the up and up? No, but
1: <laughs> it's more along the lines of thinking I'm surprised that anyone with eyes would believe this.
0: And we'll get to a little bit here in a little bit why people went with this. Because people did. When the movie comes out, they have the red carpet premiere in Georgia. Again, you have the Confederate Civil War veterans tearing up, seeing this depiction of the braveness of the Confederate soldier in the wake of the Northern destruction. You have, again, depictions of the KKK being the gallant knights saving the white man's way of life and saving these women from these depictions of black men as animals um, and of course black men were just white men and blackface in this movie
1: of course they wouldn't actually hire actual
0: no but and then as these people are so moved and stirred by the passion and the and you know what i'll give them credit in this there were some good filming techniques used in the movie and they used an. it was one of the first times they ever used like an orchestra for the soundtrack for the music And at this time, since it's silent films, they have a live orchestra
1: playing during the movie. Hmm. So they had, so like they, so I will give them credit. So the film would be silent and on screen, but there'd be an orchestra in the crowd? Yeah, like at the bottom of the
0: stage. That's just how a lot of movies were. You had someone doing, you normally would have a lady playing piano while the silent film played, but they had a 30 instrument orchestra and they had big wide sweeping shots of battlefields close intimate shots of love scenes like it was for the time it was pushing boundaries cinematically and so for the time the only credit i'll give this movie was it was well made for the time and it stirred their emotions and when they go outside to leave the theater the final performance is there as like the new men of the Klan, the new clan is out there in their uniforms on horses as like a, basically as an announcement that you can join the KKK. And you know what? Going into the 1920s, over 4 million Americans paid and joined the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Big ol'
1: What was the, I'm trying to remember what the, how many people were in America at the time because it because nowadays we have 300 million it and was I'm a fairly sure at the time it was around 40 or 50 it million. was a smaller population then i'm thinking it was 40 or 50 uh, if i remember correctly
0: a nation of just not as many people on the earth combination of the first world war and another big and another big reason the spanish flu all these would have been a smaller population at the time
1: when the spanish flu have been after this or would it have been oh, course? okay. You know what? That's a good point. We're, I'm fairly sure this would be been, been after. We're so 1915. No, 1915, yes, it's after.
0: <laughs> I know it's after. Oh, well, no, no, no. Sort of. So here's the thing about the Spanish flu. It starts in Kansas. I know. You've told me. It starts in Kansas, and it doesn't get to Europe until the U.S. joins the war in 1918. We declare war in 1917, yeah, but, but we don't land people, a year later.
1: Most people don't think of the Spanish flu as like an actual... As a full on epidemic until around 1919 or so. Yeah. And because by modern estimates, it killed more people than
0: both world wars put together.
1: It was one of the worst death by disease that has ever happened in the world. Yeah. And I it's think... called,
0: and for listeners, it's called the Spanish flu because the first rep- it, real from Spain. Everyone in the war was lying that it didn't exist mm-hmm. so the enemy wouldn't know about it. The Germans, the Americans, the British, the everyone lied about it. The only people who were honest about it in the publications were Spain because they were neutral in the war. And so they had no reason to cover it up. But they were dropping like flies. But yeah, you're right. The Spanish flu wouldn't have really been a thing yet. So yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. But yeah, anyway, the publication, the KKK, a little over 4 million people. But you know what? The KKK was more inclusive this time. And what I mean by that is they included more people to hate than just freed black men.
1: So... They
0: now hate Jews, Catholics, Irish, Russians, Slavics, all foreigners in general. Russians, really? Socialists, and eventually communists will be added to that too. Oh, Russians, because we're getting around the time of the Russian Revolution. This is around the time of the Russian Revolution.
1: I'm just trying to think, because there wouldn't have been that many immigrants from Russia. Oh, yeah. The Russian Revolution happens. People want to get out of there. I know that people want to get out of there, but they mostly went to places like France.
0: It's happened. But here's the thing. There may not have been a huge amount coming to the U.S., but news gets here. Okay. And what do you think these people are hearing? Oh, man, these Slavics are starting a revolution. That's just why foreigners cannot be trusted. That's why that people group cannot be trusted. Hold up. Don't... Again, are you surprised that there's inconsistency <laughs> in the logic of Klansmen? Okay. Again, are you shocked by that?
1: So they're saying... that Oh, because
0: they also hated union labors. Labor unions.
1: That makes sense, actually. Because labor unions are designed to protect... They're supposed to be designed yeah. to protect the little person. Intended to protect. Yeah. In the KKK, it's hatred is of the little person yeah so anything that protects the little person they'd have to hate so that makes sense to me
0: yeah so yeah when i say they're more inclusive i just meant they hated more people than just blacks this time but yeah their popularity peaked in the 20s but they were still popular and they'll have little micro bursts in the 60s and 80s Especially, the, I, I think l-
1: the '60s would probably have been the most famous time. Yeah, that
0: was the '80s was a very minor bluff, almost a final like rattling. Yeah. Death nail. Yeah, I mean they still technically exist. I remember when we were in high school, it made articles in the, this tri-state area because neighborhoods all throughout our tri-state area, not just West Virginia, but our states boarding us, just randomly one day we were in high school. People open their doors to packets from the KKK on their doorstep, trying to recruit, saying we're not racist anymore. That's ridiculous. I remember that. They were like bags of rice with a little booklet inside, I think, or something like that. I'm trying to remember several years ago. We're not racist.
1: See, we're giving you Asian food. Oh, my word.
0: Oh, my word. I'm not editing that out. I'm leaving that in. But anyway, they're still big, even though they weren't as big as they were in the 20s at this point as in the 40s, like we're talking about for the podcast. But this whole time, news, as they're growing, as they're reappearing, news outlets are talking about them in this mysterious vocabulary. When they have these rituals of burning crosses, news outlets are talking about these rituals as
1: mysterious, awe-inspiring, and we're back in the 1920s, just in case. Well, no 20s one, through okay. 40s, like they're using this language. We're back in this time. It, this is not to do with any more modern yeah. KKK yeah, stuff. Yeah. If your name's not Kanye, you're not talking about. Because I think we might end up confusing people with all that's these. That's true. We're jumping we around a lot. <laughs>
0: Okay, but anyway, this is the context of the KKK at the time, as we're getting up to the getting up to the nineteen forties. The KKK back, and they hate everyone. almost everyone. Yep, as a CNN interview from nineteen eighty three put it, "You don't stand for anything; you just stand against everything." everything. But so we're in the nineteen forties. They're big, not quite as big as they were in the twenties, but they're still really big. And news outlets are treating them as mysterious. Now we're going to get to the hero of our story. A man by the name of Stetson Kennedy. He's a name that not many people know, but you should. He was dismissed from World War II because of a back injury. So he can't fight. He's back stateside. But all his friends were still fighting in Europe. And from his point of view, they're fighting racism in Europe. And he wants to fight racism stateside.
1: Do World War Two veterans with the last name of Kennedy just have terrible back luck? Oh, <laughs> yeah, because JFK yeah. hurting his back trying to rescue. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Because that's the second person with the last name of Kennedy who is also a veteran who has had back injury.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I imagine back injuries from soldiers probably isn't the most or is uncommon. It, yeah. yeah, I know.
1: But it's just, it's, it's the last a funny name p- of Ken, Kennedy and being a veteran. Yeah. But Kennedy, he
0: decides he wants to fight racism in his own backyard. He uses his uncle's last name. He uses his uncle's name, who was a Klansman before he passed. And so he uses his uncle's name. He teams up with a group called the Anti-Defamation League. And they set him up in another city. And they set him up as a door-to-door salesman as a cover. As he joins the KKK. And is going to rise to their ranks to get insider information. So, Kennedy joins the KKK and he starts using their secrets for various reasons. In 1944, he leaks some sketchy stuff to the IRS in order they're able to, he releases evidence to the IRS so they're able to get the KKK and $685,000 in owed money.
1: This reminds me of, funnily enough, from The Joker, a TV series. Who says, I may be crazy, but I'm not insane enough to mess with the IRS. <laughs> yeah, the Batman animated series. Yeah.
0: I love that clip. But uh, in the next year, or not next year, in 1947, he provided the required info to the state of Georgia so they're able to revoke their charter as a non-profit. He wrote papers using pseudonyms at a newspaper or news outlet writing with them in mysterious, awe-inspiring terms. Through a pseudonym, he would write them. If a publisher released a dictionary that listed the KKK as a legitimate political party, he wrote those publishers criticizing them and critiquing them for it. He is active, and this whole time, he's terrified that he's going to get caught. That someone's going to break his cover, and he's going to get lynched. Yeah, because yeah, they're tar and feathering people. They're just that was more popular with the first KKK, but. That still things are these things are still happening.
1: Would it be like the hot tar that is actually dangerous to people? Yes. Just be okay. And once it cools, you can't remove it without removing the skin. Because when you say tar and feather, most people nowadays think of that, like sticky tar, but not the hot kind. Oh, I mean it's yeah, it's hot with feathers. So it'd be like just a funny ha ha. Uh, It's uh, it's. But no, this is an
0: actual almost torture, and it's peeling your skin off too. So you're never going to look the same if you
1: survive. Anyway, uh, so I just want to put that in context because cartoons and stuff has have made the tar and feather. It was a horrible thing. Okay. It existed all the way. We did it too. We did it in, leading up to the revolution. I just, I just wanted to clarify because some of the people listening to this might not understand how bad that is.
0: That's fair. That's a good point. But you know what? This is not enough for Kennedy because he's looking at this club, this clan. He's, this is childish. He sees children playing on the street. There's these children are using the same methods like in their fake games and clubs that the KKK do. In fact, I think I wrote this down right. I may not have written this down quite right. But I think this is what he said. Uh, describing the KKK. That they're weak boys trying to dress as strong men. Ouch. <laughs> he, and so he decides he needs to go national in his takedown of the KKK. And this is where Superman enters the scene. We're now up to the year nineteen forty seven. The war is over. Who
1: will Superman fight? They need a villain. It's just now over though. It's not even a year. 1995. Oh, nineteen ninety-five. 19... Nineteen forty five. I thought you said nineteen forty. 1945 is. is when the war ends. I thought it was forty six. I'm gonna double check. <laughs> I might on. be wrong. No, I'm probably wrong. It depends, because it ends in different okay, at different when times. Did. Like in Europe Europe the World War II ended first, and then the World War II in the Pacific. On the
0: morning of September 2nd, 1945, 45, Japanese okay. representatives signed the surrender document during a ceremony on the deck of the battleship USS Missouri. I don't actually know if I am. My cousin is related to the admiral who was the in charge of that boat. Shout out to you, cousin. If you're listening, you know who you are. But anyway year's 1947, the war's over, they need a new villain for Superman to fight, and we do not exactly know how the writers of the Superman radio show meet with Kennedy, but at some point, their paths cross, and they get the idea. The Klansmen are acting childish, and he's afraid these children will just grow into this. He wants to reach them while they're young, and just pull out the foundation or future of the KKK from underneath them try
1: to get try to stop yeah try the, to stop. the
0: romanticism
1: of the KKK
0: basically yeah. stop them before they can turn into Klansmen. Mm-hmm. and the writers of the superman show counter like, propaganda yeah um, the writers of the superman show were like we're down but we want to do this right so they get a team together they get Enter robert maxwell he's the producer of the superman show and as they're putting together the script to fight to go against the clan he rejects 25 scripts because this needs to be perfect. It needs to be educational. It needs to be entertaining. They want to make sure that if a child can only tune in for five minutes of the episode, that the child's just not going to hear part of the clan and think, oh, the clan's good and Superman supports it. They want to make sure that if a child only listens to a random five-minute increment, they can still know that this is bad. So you have the producer who's doing his job making... The producer's doing his job making sure only the best script makes it. Enter Ben Peter Freeman, a former New York Times author, to double-check to make sure all of these facts are straight. Enter Josette Frank, researcher for the Child Study Association of America. She's going through this and making sure, again, if a child turns in at a certain time, they're not going to be led astray. Going to make sure this works on the level of a child's brain to send them on the right path she reaches out to a couple organizations enter big brothers of america checking with them to see if this if they think this will be effective to children they reach out to national conference of christians and jews reach out to them and say okay does this work does is this effective is this if a child hears this part again just they're doing all this they want to get this just right and so enter 1947 They come up with their episode. But you know what? They can't just release an episode called Superman vs. the KKK. They need to be more subtle. So you know what they're called? The Clan of the Fiery Cross. Much more subtle, don't you think?
1: They use their symbol and then use clan.
0: Oh, they don't just use their symbol. (laughs) Kennedy still is rising through the ranks of the KKK. When he finds out their weekly password, he passes on the weekly password so they can use it in the Superman radio show. <laughs> like I said, they are trying to tear down the KKK, mm-hmm. and so in these episodes of the Superman radio, the Adventures of Superman radio show, it follows a Chinese immigrant family. Superman's buddy, old Jimmy Olsen—I think it's Jimmy Olsen—he wants to play soccer. Or not soccer. Baseball. This is America in the 40s. They're not playing soccer. They're playing baseball. Oh don't know. That was when baseball was big. Yeah. They're playing baseball. I know it's baseball. I was just making a joke at soccer. He's playing baseball. Again, I think he's trying to put... Or the, I'm trying to remember the details of who's playing so- baseball. I know, anyway, a kid from this Chinese migrant family. He's playing baseball. I think it's Jimmy Olsen, too. Playing baseball. Some drama rises the clan of the fiery cross puts up a burning cross in the yard of this chinese family to scare him away this neighborhood boy his fa- his father is secretly the leader of the clan of the uh, fiery cross and he believes his father so he tries to attack this kid from the this chinese family cuz like his father hasn't believing that they're going to lose the baseball tournament because of this kid and this that and the other superman comes in saves the day and eventually this kid feels bad and talks about Reveals this information of who his dad is. Superman, Clark Kent's boss at the Daily Planet, Perry White. He's, I need to know the members of the Clan of the Fiery Cross. I'm going to put it out in the newspaper. An award if any, reward if anybody comes forward and reports this. We'll have a prize. That night, Perry White, White wakes up to a burning cross in his yard. As he's being threatened. And it gets to a climax where Superman confronts some of the members of the clan they start to scatter now all these things are coming up and superman gives a speech about no matter if you're a Protestant, Catholic, white, black, whatever, we're all American and I can't think of the least American thing to do than to persecute someone else on such basis of this gives this long speech not that long. He gives this little speech winning over the hearts of the kids like this member of the clan passion passionate gets upset goes to jimmy olsen's baseball game with the intent to assassinate someone but the last second superman comes down the bullets bounce off of him the clan's retreating and so this passionate zealot of the clan meets with the leader of the clan of the fiery cross and says oh no what are we going to do and the leaders i know all this money we're out of all this money we can't get membership dues anymore We were losing a million dollars from all of this. And the guys forget about the money. What about the cause? And then the leader of the Clan of the Fire Crosses, I thought you had brains not to believe this stuff. That We're just businessmen. You have to be (laughs) an idiot to believe any of this stuff. And it's just a great, just driving that, like pushing that screw in just
1: even deeper. That's most of the Neo stuff that pops up. It's mostly just money People who find ways to make uh, quick money, basically. And By, by using other people.
0: And so you just have this, and that's my favorite part of the episode here. You have the leader of the clan just berating this other guy, like, how dumb are you to actually buy into this? We're just businessmen. This is money. You have to be an idiot to think someone's lesser just because they come from another country or have a different religion. And, but then the episode ends with, because Superman saved the day, Jimmy Olsen's team wins the baseball championship. Ooh. <laughs> of course. That did. Yeah, But because uh, at the end of the day, it's still for kids. Mm-hmm. But imagine these Klansmen are coming home, and they see their children reenacting this, and they see their own secrets being reenacted. But here's the thing. The children are treating that as the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And Kennedy is, actually feels validated because at one point, he's in a clam meeting, and a guy comes forward to resign, saying, look, my child is against this, and I can't keep doing this. And he's he's against it because of what he's heard on the Superman show. And Kennedy's there like in disguise, and he's starting to feel validated by this.
1: Hey, I've, my hard work has paid off.
0: Yeah, and Kennedy would go on to write some books later. Like my time writing with the Clan, which I think was later renamed to the Clan Unmasked. In the 90s, early 2000s, that book was criticized saying, this is all not your story. You made some of this up. And he later responded, yeah, there's one other guy who infiltrated it and gave me some of his information, but he didn't want his name publicly released. So I just merged details of his story with my story. He's, I'm honestly a little, my feelings are a little hurt that you think I'm just making this up about the KKK. This is all real details.
1: Real details, just two people instead of one.
0: Yeah, in his book, he just merged both experiences into one. He just recently died a few years ago. Hmm. He, uh, but yeah, this guy Kennedy, he risked a lot to infiltrate the KKK and try to bring him down. And this may seem like a little thing, but there's measurable impact that because of this effort through the Superman radio show, their numbers plummeted, and they're not getting the new numbers. They're not getting new enlistments.
1: Of course, it goes back up in the 60s. Yeah,
0: partially because of the drug and sex movement uh, of revo- sex revolution, sexual revolution of the 60s is viewed as. There's always the pendulum swings, like one extreme to the other. There was also the. Uh,
1: the. Oh, what was it? The. Martin the,
0: Luther King. Martin Luther King. Oh, yeah. Civil rights movement. In the yeah, 60s. civil rights.
1: That's what I was trying to th- Vietnam
0: is the first time since the American Revolution that both black soldiers and white soldiers served in the same units. Again, that's part of the civil rights thing. So there's a reason why there's little. Again, the pendulum swing while they came back in the 60s and a little bit in the 70s because
1: i think when most people think of the ku klux klan they think of the stuff that happened in the 60s
0: yeah that's a fair point that's a good point because that's where you have a lot of the argument against segregation starting desegregation starting to the ball starting to roll because of the likes of martin luther king jr and so yeah there's that counter swing there that's a good point and I'm just going to
1: rag on Woodrow Wilson a little bit. Have you ever heard those stories of during the segregation, like from a child's point of view? Because I have. <laughs> one person I met during the segregation said that they used to have water fountains that was one one was called white, and the other one was called color. And the I think it was yeah, it was she said that she really wanted to try the colored water because that sounds like like amazing in a kid's head, like rainbow-colored mm. water or whatever. And so she went over and drank from the colored fountain, and and it was just regular water, but someone saw her and ended up punishing her for drinking from the colored water fountain.
0: Wow, and that's just another reason
1: why it's important to reach children. Don't be racist. Because <laughs> <'cause laughs> in that child's mind, it was such an innocent thing.
0: Yeah, and there's no reason for it to be segregated. There's an interview in the 1980s that CNN did with the Grand Wizard. Such a stupid name. It really is. Something that you'd think of
1: from a D&D group. Like the yeah. Dungeon Master or whatever. Yeah.
0: The Grand Wizard of the... Uh, but the KKK ruined it for them. But he And they just they can't take him seriously because I'm a segregationist. I believe that it's God's intention that ethnicities nationalities don't mix and i'm like really that's news to me i'm in seminary i read my bible that's really news to me but uh, but the reporters just rip into him and reporters you said here that jews run the banks and he's like that's not my words that's your words he's like i wrote this down from your book <laughs> these are your words he's like i can't say that was what i said back then that's not what i'm saying now to be fair racism
1: never makes sense No, you're
0: right. It just... You're right. I like what he said there. It's the weak trying to make themselves feel strong. It's these people trying to make themselves feel better by saying that they're better than someone else. They get in these dumb groups. Drunk History, I don't know how reliable Drunk History is.
1: It's fairly reliable. The depends on the episode. But
0: there's a guy talking about this exact same story you can find on YouTube from Drunk History and he talks about how Kennedy found like their handshake was like this... Stupid, just foolish handshake. Like they just had these dumbest things. They're like children, but racist, and <laughs>
1: they're children but racist. Uh- and
0: it doesn't help. Also, too, they find out that while these people who are poor and struggling are paying their dues, the upper, the elites of the clan, shocker, are getting off rich. Who would have thunked? And they are
1: a lot of the a lot of the propaganda, anyway. Not so much the style, the how the Ku Klux Klan is formed, but the propaganda that it gives reminds me a lot of the... No, more of the... Not the propaganda, but the fearful mindset of the Ku Klux Klan reminds me of the mindset before the Civil War and after the Revolution of what should be done with slavery. Hmm. Because... On one side, they want to free the slaves, but they're scared what will happen after they do so. And one proposal was to take them all back to take the slaves back.
0: to. That's why there's a country in Africa called Liberia. Or, Yeah, Liberia? I don't know. Yeah, that was like it started as an American colony and it was called that as the idea that liberated slaves can go move there.
1: But I know that, that was one of the things because they were people were scared at the time of retaliation because of the slavery if they freed the slaves and the slaves would retaliate. That was one of the bigger fears at the time. And this just the mindset of the Ku Klux Klan just reminds just, me of it, that
0: mindset. It shows you what people will do when they are made to fear another. Like you saw that with them. You see that there. turns Southerners... to anger?
1: Anger turns to hate. Yeah. Hate leads to the dark side.
0: <laughs> and the dark side leads to the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> or the Nazi Party. Or you can enter all these examples from history. Or the fascist party and El Duce. Was that Duce? The... Mussolini?
1: Was it Mussolini? Yep. They didn't really have a. If I remember correctly. They were the fascist party. I know they were the fascist party, but they didn't really have a scapegoat. Oh, they had everyone but Italians. Yeah. Because that's the thing leading up to World War II. You
0: have three nations who think they are racially superior to everyone else. Japan,
1: who believes they're racially superior to everyone, but mostly the other Asians. The Nazis, who believe they're racially superior to everyone.
0: Especially Jews and Slavs. Yes.
1: and then the Italians who believe they're racially superior. Than
0: yeah, you. but yeah, you saw it there. You see it, yeah, the whole thing with slaves because you get this weird thing leading up to the Civil War with abolitionists where you have a lot of people like Abraham Lincoln who think blacks and whites should are equal by law but not necessarily by nature. A lot of people struggle with the idea of thinking... Well, that was just a popular thing at the time. Yeah, it was. And you have a few exemptions. Maybe not the best example, but John Brown genuinely believed that blacks and whites were equal in every way. Um, And you know what? This is a spoiler for a future episode because I do want to do an episode on John Brown's absurd life. But I recently found something out. And it sort of fits. Not really, but I'm going to throw it in here anyway. Do you know the hymn... The battle song, the battle hymn of the Republic, or Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. Yeah. You know what? The, those aren't the original lyrics that we sing today. What? So, the song, the lyrics we sing today come from the Civil War. Mm-hmm. A northerner sees the Union troops coming in and uses biblical imagery to depict the noble cause of the North from her point of view. Very similar song before that, though. These are the original lyrics. John Brown's body lies a-moldering in the grave, but his soul goes marching on. The stars of heaven are looking kindly down on the grave of old John Brown.
1: I'm sorry, but John,
0: John Brown and his John Brown took Harper's Ferry with his nineteen men so true. They hung him as a traitor. They themselves the traitors screw Something, 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 something. something. But his soul goes marching on. It was an
1: abolitionist song. I'm sorry, but can you remind me who John Brown is? I'm blanking. The raid on Harper's Ferry. Oh, the Tried one to start where they, an armed... they grabbed guns from the armory. Yep. And armed black. Yeah. Not just black people either. It was, it was trying to free slaves. They were trying to free slaves and arm them to it, rise up. Uh, a... Harriet
0: Tubman was involved. She was to reach out to slaves in Virginia telling them. He was hung, wasn't he? Yep, he was hanged. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, I was teaching Sunday school, and one of the kids piped up and said, Judas, he, hung, he hanged himself, and his older brother said, it's hung. And I'm like, actually, when it's the form of death, it's hanged. When it's your clothes, it's hung. So, like, if someone dies, if it's like... Semantics. A- it's, it's, <laughs> yes, it is, but... Anyway, but... Yes, yeah, so, that's the story of how Superman took on the KKK... In real life. Kind of. Yeah, I find it a fascinating story about how they used this to tackle real-world issues.
1: and the tons of other tangents that we went on. Yes.
0: Which is good, because I wasn't sure how long this episode would have been just purely on my information I had.
1: If we just stuck with your information, it would probably be 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 or 30. But um, but because we went on so many differently long tangents, it's probably going to be closer to an hour and 30 Yeah, but
0: this had a noticeable effect on the KKK. And I just love that. And again, Superman's not unique in that. You had Captain America using his anti-Nazi propaganda. Before that, you have... Oh, all superheroes were used as anti-Nazi
1: propaganda in the 40s. I do like how they had in Captain America, the Marvel movie, they actually had him on stage punching A Very meta. yeah
0: explanation for what happened in real life but yeah i find it an absurd but cool story about how this man with a back injury and writers of a kids radio show decided to team up and try to take down the kkk i just i think it's cool and that's really all i have to say about it but you know what stevie i see the question about to come out of your mouth I don't. And yes, that really happened. Oh, okay.
1: That's the question.
0: Thank you for listening to Yes, That Really Happened. Yes, That Really Happened is an absurd history podcast about those occasions when history is greater than fiction. All the wonderful music you've heard was written and performed for this podcast by the talented Corey Bowers. Links to articles and sources used can be found in the show notes. If you would like to write in with a topic or correction, you can find our email linked in the show notes as well. You can listen to all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. If you would like to help the show out, please subscribe, like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, but most importantly... Share us with a friend. Thank you for listening. Soli Deo Gloria. Goodbye.
1: Get your head in the game. Bamboozle.